0: us this morning. I ask you to get your Bibles out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We are kicking off a brand new series today. My church is kind of a big deal. My church is kind of a big deal. Amen? Matthew chapter 16. Those of you who are on iPhones and iPads, you may follow us on Uversion right now. Look up 37814. Under live events, type in the Avenue Church, whatever is easier, and uh, you will see our uh, outline for today. The title of the message today is What's the Big Deal? Somebody say that. I will tell you. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, the Bible says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you were blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the forces and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Somebody say amen. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven let's pray today father thank you for your word and thank you that you've allowed us to come into your presence to approach you to find grace and mercy thank you jesus for giving your life so that we can be here today. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of something that's bigger than us. We are the church. Thank you, Father. Thank you for allowing us to do so. Holy Spirit, thank you for embracing us with your presence. And, Father, I ask over the next few moments that you would please help me to speak your word. Help me to speak what you need to say that will penetrate our hearts and our lives and motivate us and challenge us to be the church. To be the church and not just go to church. Not just do church, but be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you all the glory. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Like I said, we're kicking off a brand new series. My church is kind of a big deal. I really do believe that my church, our church, the church, is the biggest deal going on in the world today. Our prayer and our goal for you today is that you will leave here a little fired up about the local church, your church right here at the Avenue. Fired up about who we are, why we exist, why we do what we do, and why we believe that we are kind of a big deal. We hope that you leave today and you will say to yourself, you know what, my church is kind of a big deal. Let me start off by telling you a little a little story about when I was in college, you know, Growing up in a town like Morristown, you, you almost get in a bubble to where you forget that there's a lot of people in this world. And you go to church, and you've grown up in church, and you've been a part of churches that are 50, 25, 100, 200. Some of you may have gone to some bigger churches. And you forget that there's some really big places in the world. When we were in campus choir at the University, we had the opportunity to go to Atlanta one night to be a part of a, I think it was a 48-hour continual uh, prayer summit where they were having praise and worship, um, music, prayer. It was ongoing for 24 hours, and it was at at a mega church, and I'm not going to go to the person who it is because I don't want to get here to say if you like this person or not. It doesn't really matter. But we went right into this place, and this place was ginormous. For those of you who don't know what ginormous is, that's the cross between gigantic and enormous ginormous. And so we pulled up, and we got there just in time to make our way. There's about a hundred of us singers and some musicians, and we go we make a beeline straight into this this uh, it looked like a coliseum, but it was a sanctuary. We went straight into the choir loft. They had these huge, big, thick curtains, and we're going, "How big is this place?" And so here we are. We're wedding. We're staring at each other because you have like small town mentality. Sometimes you're thinking, "How big?" We were singing. We singing hundreds of churches all over America, and then it comes our time you hear people just i mean it's like a roar like you're in a big huge arena we're thinking oh my gosh where in the world are we right now and so here the curtain's come it's our time to sing and i'm not kidding you i thought i was in a baseball stadium this this sanctuary i found out found out ended up holding over 10,000 people and it was full from the front to the back, the bottom to the top, and there were people worshiping and shouting and praising, and I got a little bit overwhelmed because it was at that moment that I realized, you know what, God, I'm a a part of something that I realize is a lot bigger than what I am. And we worship a God that is a lot bigger than what we are. But when you look around the world today, for a lot of people, church is not that big of a deal anymore. We find churches everywhere we go, But I believe that there are a lot of people in churches today that don't really understand what it means to be a part of the church, to be the church. I got three points I want to bring to you today. Number one, the me church. Somebody say the me church. In verses 13 and 14, I want to refresh your memory. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Isn't it something how people will make up their own opinion about who Jesus is? Some people hope to wake up one day to a Jesus that will cater to their lifestyle. Come on now. I hope Jesus is on my side today. I would like to say here and just make a declaration to you that the gospel is not up for debate. It has never changed and it will never change. methods, the way that the the gospel is presented, it will always change. But the message will never change. You know, a growing rate of our population are looking for the me church. Where it's all about me. It's all about them. Did you know that 25% of America never attend church? Never. 15% of America attend church only on holidays. That puts us up to about 35% of America does not attend church. Less than 20% of America attend church regularly. Less than 20% of America attend church regularly. Which means that about 80% of America do not attend church regularly. Did you know that 59% of 18 to 29 year olds with a Christian background have dropped out of attending church one of many contributing factors to these statistics is because of the selfish society that we live in today. Come on. Everything is about me and what life has for me. It's a self indulgence, a uh, quick gratification society today. We do, however, have a lot of attendees in churches today. But I don't think they really get church. Hear me to this morning. These people treat church like it's a place of convenience. A place to go when there's not a a good football game on. A place to go when the family is in town. A place to go on major holidays. A place to go to get married. A place to go to feel better about ourselves. A place to go to do God a favor. And it's something we do every now and then. It's something people try to do and, and get God on our side. Somehow we think that if we go to church, act spiritual, pretend to pray, drop a token in the offering, and make sure the pastor sees you, because that's important. That through all of this, we have somehow tricked God, did Him a favor, and now we can ask Him to bless us. Then there's another group of people, the people that regularly attend church. These are the faithful attenders, but their whole idea of church is not really that big a deal. To them, the church is like a Christian country club. They come to find a place where... They can, they can find people that they can surround themselves with, with people that look like them, act like them, talk like them. They are convinced that the whole church should cater to them. You don't know anybody like this. You, I mean, you know these people, but be very careful here. Be very careful here not to think that I'm talking about someone else because I just may be talking about you. You know these people because they're the ones that get mad when you sit in their seat. You didn't know that that's my seat. I sit there every Sunday, and you're a guest. Who do you think you are to come up here like it's your first time and sit in my chair? You don't know anybody like this, and none of you have ever behaved that way. I know you haven't. Then you got the people who are mad when they pull up, and you've parked in that parking space for 15 years. And somebody had the audacity and the nerve to park in your place send them home. Just send them home. If they can't behave any better than that at church, send them home. You know these people as the us four and no more people. You know these people and they have their holy huddles. You know, it's it's a funny thing these holy huddles. They get together in church and people walk in and a guest, when you see these holy huddles and they don't talk to anybody else, all they see is a, a bunch of butts. So if you're if you're a part of the holy huddle, you're, you are just fill it in how you want. You'll get it later. We have to realize that church is not about us at all. There are a lot of churches that will cater to the already convinced crowd. It's all about them and not about reaching the world. It's too hot in here. It's too cold. It's too loud. I can't hear it. Passion looks weird today. Don't amen that. <laughs> you know, I, I feel real sorry for the person who is trying to find a church or even a guest who has been invited with their family or friends. I feel, I feel sorry for some guests. You know, referring back to the campus choir days, we, we ended up in all kinds of churches, all kinds of churches. And we've seen the good and we've seen the real bad. We went to a church one time, and I am not exaggerating. We went to a church on a Sunday morning, and it was it was a packed house. And and, and usually when campus choirs sang, was, there was a lot of people there. That's how we roll, you know. There's a lot of people. <laughs> Just a joke. The first note of the first song. And I am not kidding. I think it was Days of Elijah. Boom! Started singing this song. This lady jumps up and starts running. The first note. I'm thinking excited to be here today it's the first the first note and what was so funny is they had a big camera they're like this this church that had like their their stuff online and tv there's a camera in the front and she would just be you know going to town and running and running she'd get that camera and and just duck and come back up and keep running and running and running and duck and come back up then the second song came on and they released live doves into the sanctuary i thought where are we what and we had live doves flying around as if they were saying the Holy Spirit needs some help. So we're just going to release those doves. When you release the doves, the Holy Spirit falls. So, I'm not kidding. We've seen we've seen some crazy stuff. Seen some crazy stuff. And then you had the churches where the people and the pastor talking Christianese. You, you know, like you walk up to a church and you get greeted by somebody or the pastor Good to see you today, brother. God bless you. It's a great day to be alive. This is the day the Lord has made glory from on high. Blessed are you, brother, for coming today. You're like, whoa. <laughs> you see, I'm not here to criticize churches. Churches. It's just easy to speak to people that are a lot like us and a lot like you. And it's easy for us to get caught up in our own agenda. To lose sight of what it's like for people who haven't been to church or don't go to church regularly. It's like we as Christians, the more we are around one another, the more spiritually inbred we become. And we know that when there's inbreeding, things start to get a little weird. Some of y'all will get that later. it's easy to fall into this trap. It takes effort to reach the people that aren't like us. It takes effort to explain things to people that don't understand why we do what we do. It takes work and it takes sacrifice to actually be the church. To not just talk about the gospel, but bring the gospel to the world. It takes work to share the love and hope of Jesus. It's what we call a selfless faith. A selfless faith draws the world in. But a selfish faith pushes the world away. Contrary to the trends of our selfish society, people are actually turned off from a selfish faith. Why? Because the world longs to experience something genuine. They long to experience something real. And that leads me to my second point this morning. People long to be part of the real church. Somebody say the real church. In verse 16, Simon Peter answered Jesus by saying, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. A church that is based on the truth found only in Jesus Christ is the real deal. Somebody say we are the real deal. But the downside of the state of the church today is that the church in general has lost its zeal and lost its passion for the lost. Growing up, Music was a big deal in my life. I loved music. And when I was growing up, I'm just going to be honest, Christian music, was mm, struggle. And, you know, you've always heard the classic teenage response, well, I like the music for the beat. I just want the, all that stuff and everything. But some of the lyrics are awful. Let's just be real. And so I had, not you, Russ. I had a youth pastor, not you. This is before you. Come to me and say, Well, here, if you like this, why don't you listen to this? And it was so cheesy. I'm thinking, I'm supposed to listen to this. Give me a J, J. You got your J, you got your J. I'm like, How am I supposed to get down to that? Yeah, I could see me rolling up to school and be like, Give me a J, J, you got your They'd be like, All right, okay. But Christian music has come a long way. You can be on the radio listen to Christian music and you not really know that the style is Christian until you hear the words. Growing up, I've experienced some amazing moves of the Holy Spirit in church. Genuine encounters with the presence of God. But at the same time, you've experienced some of those weird times, services. I, 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 when I was growing up, there was always one song that always just like... Like, why are we playing this? Is this America? Because it was a song like, Are we we in Israel? Where are we right now? I'm thinking, This is awful. (laughs) Like, you've never been there. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I can't believe it. And I, I can remember. You know, a minister or a pastor saying, won't it be awesome to be able to worship around the throne of God like this forever? And I'm thinking, oh, no. (laughs) So for many years, I was scared that I would have to worship God for eternity to the tunes of some Russian chant. I'm thinking, I don't want to do this for eternity. However, this viewpoint changed drastically for me a couple of years ago. I honestly believe that I got a glimpse of what it's going to be like to worship our Savior with millions and millions of people one day. And I I had the video, but I'm not going to show it because it's too lengthy to show. It's about 15 minutes long. But a couple of years ago, Melissa and I and our youth leaders took our our teenagers in Cincinnati to Chicago for a Jesus Culture slash Hillsong conference. And it was called Awakening. And on the last night, on the last night, The speaker was getting ready to get up and and, and bring the word, and the worship was amazing, and and people were just so fired up about God, and there was no music playing, and and the guy on stage said, can we just one more time give it up for Jesus Christ, and the place erupted, okay? And you know, we say a lot of times, give it up one more time for Jesus, and boom, okay, sit down. You've done that, but when he said this, there were 20,000 people in this Coliseum packed from front to back, filling the floors. And it erupted. There was no music. And it was almost deafening. And, and and you kept waiting for it to die down. And it was like waves of worship kept coming. And it would die down and then pff, it would come again. No music. And my hair grew three inches, I think, in about 30 minutes. Because it was just electric in that place. And these people, we were all going nuts for Jesus. And no, there was no Nothing going on on stage. People were just worshiping. Hands were lifted. People were jumping. People were shouting. And, and then all of a sudden, some, some group over in the far corner started doing that, oh, that right there. If you ever been in a ball game? It's like, yeah, we're going to knock somebody's head off right now. And so then about 20,000 people were going, oh, it was nuts. I'm thinking, this is awesome. If I weren't a Christian right now, I'd be saved instantly. It was so amazing. And I thought to myself, I remember the comments that that minister or that pastor said, won't it be wonderful to be able to join with other people and worship God forever like this? And it was at that moment I realized we're going to have millions and millions upon millions of people simultaneously join together in a song that even the angels can't sing and worship God forever. That's amazing to think about. When I think about this moment in my life it wasn't, about the sweet video screens that were there. It wasn't about the amazing lights. It wasn't even about how ridiculously good the band sounded. It was about being part of something that was way bigger than me. There's something incredible that happens when a group of people come together who share the same passion and that they're excited and they worship together. I've thought about this a lot over the years and have come to the realization that we serve a big, big, big God. And we do him no service when we come together and put forth a so-called effort, and we call it church. Come on now. And we say, here, God, this is the best that we could do today. It's almost like we have to apologize because many have the concept that, after all, we are but just the church. This is the best that we could do today it's no wonder that we have the young generation that is leaving the church left and right it's because there's been no life there's been no energy there's been no excitement and no zeal but romans twelve five says we who are many are one body in christ and individually members of one another may i say to you today it's not we're just a church no We are the church, and we should be bringing God our very best effort because God is huge. God is real. He is awesome. He is amazing. He is wonderful. God is holy. God is worthy, and he deserves all that we can bring him week in and week out. He is the real deal, and we are the real church, and we are the real deal. And because God is the real deal, we are a big deal. Amen. And this, my friend, is what the world needs. This is what we all need. To be a part of something that is real and a part of something that is bigger than me and bigger than you and bigger bigger than us. That takes me to my last point this morning. Number three, the big deal, church. Somebody say the big deal, church. Verse 18 and 19 says, I also say to you that you are Peter." And on this rock, I will build my church and the forces of hell will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loose in heaven. Let, let me pick apart this text today before I'm done. Let me, let me pick this apart. You see, this, this scripture, this, this text today has been a controversial scripture throughout the years. And this is the controversy. Upon this rock, Who slash what is the rock? In the Catholic Church, they're taught that Peter is the rock. And the church is built on the rock. That's why they have the Pope and there's St. Peter and etc. We believe that Jesus Christ is the rock. Jesus is the rock of ages. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He is the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the rock. There's another interpretation that I, I would say you believe it too. The rock is the revelation that Peter had that the church would be built on the revelation, uh, revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. But let's look even further into this passage of Scripture. I want to present to you one more interpretation based upon the history of the location where this passage of Scripture took place. Where is Jesus when he is saying this? It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Caesarea Philippi was a city founded by Herod's son, Philip. And they were a family of, of puppet kings that Rome allowed to be in charge of that area. And as a tribute to Rome and as a tribute to Caesar, they built cities and they built temples. And that's exactly what Caesarea Philippi was built by Philip in honor of Caesar. Except there was already another Caesarea, so they called it Caesarea Philippi, it was a temple complex. Why this spot? He chose this spot where a spring was coming out of a cave. And I want you to go to the next. There's a picture I want to show you. This is, this is it right here. The spring came out of the ground, and the snow would melt off of Mount Hermon. And it came into the cave. It came out of the spring. And this spring was one of four that would make up the Jordan River. So there was all this water pouring out of this cave, uh, coming out of this spring until about 1879 when there was a massive earthquake. So now it no longer comes out of the mouth of the cave. But during the days of Jesus, this spring came right out of the mouth of that cave. And Philip had a big, huge temple built to a god by the name of Pan. Pan was a half man and half goat. He was the god of fertility. He was a very disgusting and sick concept. He was often shown completely naked. Needless to say, he was a very perverted concept. Well, Pastor Justin, what in the world does this have to do with our church being kind of a big deal? Well, thank you for asking. Go with me today. This whole area in Caesarea Philippi was disgusting and was set up around the concept of this God, Pan. And the idea was that during the rainy season, Pan would die and descend down into hell through these springs. He would descend down into hell, stay through the winter, and then when winter had passed, he would resurrect and have sex with the God named Echo. And this would be a sign of fertility. There were all of these rituals and, and prostitutes, and it was a completely nasty place. Have you ever been to a place that gave you the, a completely dirty and nasty feeling? Now, I'm not talking about how you feel after you've just thrown down a number seven at Long John Silver's. I'm not talking... About that kind of nasty. No, no disrespect to Long John Silver's because I can, I can throw it down every now and then. But feel awful afterwards. But that really dirty and almost guilty feeling by even just going to this place. It's the feeling you would get if you went to Caesarea Philippi. It was a completely pagan place to go. No Jew would ever go to this place. It was a disgusting place to visit unless you were going to get in trouble. So there would be no reason for Jesus and his disciples to go there. So why? They had to go about 30 miles out of their way just to go to this place. But Jesus did everything he did on purpose. He said everything he said on purpose for a reason. And I can just imagine the disciples walking with Jesus. And here they are walking along thinking, way and then a couple of them probably said dude we're going to syria philippi can you believe that jesus is taking us to this place and then jesus stops them right here and he says who do people say that i am and the disciples responded well some say elijah some say jeremiah some say one of the prophets And, and jesus says but who do you say that i am and peter says you are the messiah the son of the living god and jesus responds simon son of jonah you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And I can imagine him using like awesome illustrations because Jesus was amazing, right? And so he points to this rock. And he says, I can, I, I and on this rock, I will build my church and the forces of hell, the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Listen, when Pan would descend into hell, he got down there through this spring. And they said that this spring was the gates of hell. So there was a reason Jesus was doing what he was doing and saying what he was saying. He took them to the place where people worshiped a false god, where they worshiped a demonic force, and let them know that upon this rock, the truth found in Jesus Christ, he was going to build his church, and that the gates of hell will not be able to overpower it. What is he saying? When it comes to the church... This is the first occurrence of this important word in the New Testament. It is the Greek word, ekklesia, from which we get our English word, ecclesiastical, referring to the things that pertain to the church. The literal meaning is a called out assembly. This word is used 114 times in the New Testament, and in 90 of these references, a local church is in view. However... In the first uh, use of ecclesia, it seems likely that Jesus had the whole church in mind. He was not just building a local assembly, but a universal church composed of all who make the confession of faith that Peter made that day. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God is saying to us, this church that I'm going to build is going to be a lot bigger than you could even think. A lot bigger than what you are imagining right now. It's going to take you places that you've only dreamed about. It's going to take you into some pretty dark and nasty places. But when you get there, church, do not be afraid because the gates of hell will not overcome you. For far too long, the church has thought of themselves as a lot less than an organization that is advancing and taking new ground. Far too long, the church has just thought of themselves as a shelter. Someplace just off in the corner, just waiting for the worst to be over and Jesus to come back. But that's the opposite of the gospel. That's the opposite of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that our church should be growing. He's saying that we should be taking new ground. We should be going into the world, into the worst of the worst. And when we get there, the gates of hell will not be able to stop us. They will not be able to hold us back. I wish somebody would hear me today. Romans 8.31 lets us know, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Who can stop us? Who is attacking who in this scenario? The last time I checked, the gate is there to protect the people on the inside, keeping the people on the inside locked up. Heaven is not the gate that is being described here. Hell is the place with the gates that are we're trying to destroy. And I pray you get a hold of this today. We are the church, and we exist to destroy the gates of hell and populate heaven. The Avenue Church, plundering hell, populating heaven. Plunder. Plunder means to take goods from. Take goods from a person. Take goods from a place, typically using force. I'm here today to put the devil on notice. We are the church, and we're coming back to take everything that belongs to us. We're taking our families back. We're taking our joy back. We're taking it all back. We're taking this city back, and we're taking this region back. Touch somebody and say, we're taking it back. And that's why what we do is kind of a big deal. There are people's lives on the line. This is not just a gathering of Christians that come together and sing Kumbaya. We are here because there are people dying every day to drugs, dying to alcohol, dying to addictions. They're suffering, they're hurting, and they need the light. Church, we are the light. Matthew 5:14 through 16 says, "You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden." No one lights a lamp and put it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And that makes the Avenue Church a very big deal. That's why we put so much effort into this we recognize that people need Jesus and we're not going to stop so we're not going to apologize when we ask people to get connected make commitments and get involved over the next several weeks because it's the greatest thing that you could ever be a part of why my church is kind of a big deal we're about to rock this region and the gates of hell will not be able to overcome us plundering hell populate heaven ain't nothing they can do about it verse 19 says i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is already loose in heaven and i love what is read in luke it says the spirit of the lord is upon us because he has anointed us to preach the good news to the poor he has sent us to proclaim freedom to the captives and Recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Church, we exist to rescue the lost. We exist to build the kingdom of God. We are kind of a big deal. But it all starts with each and every single one of us. We are the church. It starts with you. starts with you. starts with me. A.W. Tozer said this, When viewed from their perspective of eternity, the most critical need of this hour may well be that the church should be brought back from her long Babylonian captivity and the name of God be glorified in her again as of old. Yet we must not think of the church as an anonymous body, a mystical religious abstraction. We Christians are the church. And whatever we do is what the church is doing. The matter, therefore, is for each of us, a personal one. Any forward step in the church must begin with the individual. And in case you didn't know, nudge your neighbor and say you're about to learn something. We are not dead. Therefore, the church is not dead. Neither is it dying. The church cannot die. And it will never be overcome because we are building the Avenue Church upon the truth that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. We are going to rescue the hurting in this region. We are going to break the chains of addiction in this region. We are going to mend the broken, heal the hurting, save the lost. How is this possible? Because God is on our side, and he is kind of a big deal. Therefore, we are kind of a big deal. My church is kind of a big deal because we have the solution to every problem that people will ever face. It's Jesus Christ. It's always been Jesus. It still is Jesus, and it will always be. Amen. Come on, give him praise today. One thing I know I can promise you is that our church will always be changing. Why? Because we will do whatever it takes to rescue the lost. Whatever it takes. As long as it doesn't contradict the word of God, we're going to do it. It's going to require us to get dirty, because saving lost souls isn't an easy thing to do. It's going to require time, effort, sacrifice. Well, Pastor Justin and his staff and the elders they they want to have an event. There's a ball game on that night, and he's praying for people to be saved. <sighs> if I don't watch that ball game; they're going to lose. You're laughing, but we think we think that way. We think that way. We think that our eyes watching that TV. Something's gonna happen. I'm a testimony today. It don't work. I was in mourning all day Tuesday. I think I think this is exactly how it happened. Auburn's up 21-10, to 10, I think, at halftime. I'm cheesing, man. I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Then the second half happens, and I'm mad. I'm like, come on! You know, I'm just like, man. And they're behind. Auburn comes down. They score this go-ahead touchdown. I'm thinking, woo! You know, I'm just excited. There's like less than a minute. All they got to do is stop them one time. Just one time. And me watching this game is helping. And the next play happens and they throw this 10 yard out. And Auburn's players smacking each other. The Florida State guy goes running down the sideline. I I think my exact reaction was there's an ottoman in our living room, and I went like that. And I went, You gotta be kidding me. A couple plays later, a ridiculously called foul happened, blah blah blah. Florida State scores, and I did one, I got like this close to the TV, and I'm like you gotta be kidding me. And I'm standing there in the living room having a moment. And Melissa walks up to me and she's trying, she just like, she says something smart, Alec. Like. And I said, I am not in the mood right now. I said, if this is your way of helping, just stop. <laughs> so I just stood there for a minute going, whole year wasted. Just wasted. But you know, you can put your trust in a lot of things. That's a silly illustration, but it's where we're at. You can put your faith, you can put your hope, you can put your trust in a lot of different things in this world. And I can promise you this, it will always let you down. I'll I'll Be honest, I tell her, don't don't put your faith in me. Because there's probably going to be a day where I'm going to let you down. Not intentionally, but I'm a person. There's people that are going to let you down. God will never let us down. God is God is kind of a big deal. <laughs> he's, he's a big deal. And because we serve the God that is a big deal, and we stand on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, we are a big deal. We have the answer that you're looking for. We had the answer that your family is looking for. We had the answer that your, your neighbor, your co-worker, the one who's addicted to meth, the one who's addicted to alcohol, we had the solution to cure every problem. The solution to break every chain. The solution that will bring peace when nothing else can. It's simply Jesus. Our church is kind of a big deal because we're going to go into this city we're gonna go to this region and we're gonna rock it for the glory of God. You with me today? You with me today? Man. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are so awesome. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for your redemption plan through Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for every single person that is here today. Thank you for all of our children. Thank you for all of our guests. Thank you for our families and our friends. God, I ask that you would help us that when we leave today, God, make every person so excited about who you are, so excited about how awesome you are and how faithful you are that all they want to do is just share the love and hope of Jesus with their family and friends and co-workers and neighbors. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let us be proud of you. And let us be proud to be a part of the church. Not just our church, but the church. The church that you ordained. Thank you, Father.